Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Radical Research. My name is Madeline Lerano. I'm your host. I'm the founder of a company called Aptitude Research, and I'm thrilled to be here today with Andrew Flowers, who is the labor economist at AppCast and a true expert in our economy and what's happening in talent acquisition and HR. So, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today. Madeline, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, you have been, you've been with AppCast for a few years now. You started Recruitomics, which if anyone is interested in what's happening in the economy, if you're interested in how that impacts jobs and your world within HR or TA, follow Andrew. He has a huge following on um, Twitter at Andrew Flowers, and you can follow AppCast and Recruitomics. They share so much information. It's definitely my, been my go-to source. So, Andrew, you've worked at the Federal Reserve, you've worked at Indeed, you've been an economist for many, many years. You know things that most of us have no idea what, what any of this means. So can you tell me a little bit about how you became a labor economist? How does, how does somebody go about becoming a labor economist? Yeah, uh, I went to college and studied economics and started this journey where, as you mentioned, I worked at the Federal Reserve during the... Uh, uh, Great Recession um, and the subsequent move into the kind of job tech world, working at Indeed and now AppCast. I, I, I started this journey by studying economics, and that really uh, was uh, an interest because of real life experience. So I, I grew up in a, a working class family. I was the oldest of five kids, and, and we uh, had a great loving family, but it was very financially unstable. So, uh, for example, we moved more than 20 times across five states uh, before I graduated high school. And so I saw my parents go through uh, two bankruptcies, a, a foreclosure, uh, uh, several near evictions. So just the economic instability um, uh, that my family experienced at, during my childhood was one of the reasons that I knew, you know, going uh, through high school and, and realizing I, I liked studying math, I liked studying history, that, hey, economics could be something for me in terms of uh, connecting those real life experiences to the world of markets, to the world of government policy. So when I went to college, uh, I went to the University of Chicago and I studied economics there. And when I graduated in, in 2008 and uh, got a job, luckily, uh, at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, I moved from Chicago to Atlanta. And that really started my journey um, in professional economic analysis, uh, tracking the macro economy, things like jobs and inflation and the housing market, that really interested me. I, I love the number side of it, of course, the statistical analysis side of it, but I really love, and this is this is key, I believe, uh, the communication side of it. That's why I think it's so important to be a clear uh, writer and speaker if you're going to be uh, a public-facing economist. So that's been my kind of personal career journey. Um, and uh, the core of it, like I said, is this connection to uh, economics, not as just abstract numbers and theories, but as like economics is the is the real world, right? It's it's people's lives and, and their livelihood. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it, it impacts every single part of our lives, like our professional and personal lives. For me, I took lots of economics classes in college and grad school, and I didn't understand anything. Like I feel... <laughs> Like I took so many of these, I should be this expert. I, I didn't understand, like the concepts were kind of way above my head. You know, so many books that I read to try to kind of keep up with this. But what I love about seeing you present and, you know, seeing what you've done with AppCast is you make it so that everyone understands it. Like 
when you're presenting and I'm like, I want to talk about inflation. I want to talk about what's happening in the economy. And it's really hard to do, I think, for most people is to understand what all of this means. It's scary stuff. And we have so many different news sources coming at us that it's really hard to make sense of what's important and what we should be ignoring. So I'm hoping we can talk through some of that today. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of noise yeah. and a lot of confusion, but there's also signal. Uh, and I hope uh, through AppCast, through our, through our work, um, uh, my team, we, we, we help provide some of that signal, some of that value. So it's interesting because the jobs report for July was so positive. And you, I mean, you called it a perfect 10. You wrote this great blog. And there's so much news around it, right? We saw 500,000 jobs added, unemployment at 3.5%, growth in every industry. Like I, you know, even retail and some of these industries where we didn't expect to see any growth, we saw growth. And now August happened and we, the jobs report came out last week and it was like, a little bit overlooked. I feel like it was overlooked. Like July was this big news story. And then August was still seemed pretty positive, like unemployment 3.7%. So not much change, but it was just sort of ignored. I feel like it was ignored. Um, is What does this August jobs report mean? Is this good? Is this bad? You know, what, what does this mean to you? Yeah, th there's definitely something to what you just said. Uh, maybe it's the fact that the August report came out the Friday before Labor Day. Uh, and so I think people were kind of starting to check out. Uh, but going back to July, uh, that was a real surprise to see over half a million jobs added. And so when the report for August came out um, just before Labor Day and showed 315,000 jobs and a slight uptick in the unemployment rate, maybe some folks would on the surface kind of shrug it off as a kind of just so-so report. Um, but the more we dig into the numbers, frankly, the better the August jobs report looks. And now, now why is that? Just to give uh, listeners some perspective, if you just track the basic growth of the U.S. labor force in terms of a demographic change year over year, the number of jobs the U.S. economy needs to add each month just to keep the unemployment rate stable is like 100 to 150,000 jobs a month, right? That's the kind of expected amount of job growth, if it goes below that, or, or, or you know, if, if there's actually uh, a negative job loss on a month, then that's bad, right, for the economy. So if, if 150,000 is roughly the break-even point, the fact that August, we saw 315,000 jobs get added, that's still really strong, number one, even if it's a step down from July. But when you dig into the numbers, the fact that the unemployment rate rose slightly, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but it actually rose for a good reason. And the reason is uh, the unemployment rate is not just people who don't have a job. It's people who don't have a job and who are actively searching for a job as a share of this, this denominator, this kind of pool of people called the labor force. And the, and the report in August showed that the labor force grew a lot, which if you are a recruiter, if you work in talent acquisition and in HR, you know that the last two years have been really challenging, right? Because both... Um, competitors are trying to hire workers and because the unemployment rate's really low and, and people who want jobs are getting them and it's, it's hard to poach workers. And uh, the fact that you see in August a growth in the labor force, that there was an increase of over 700,000 people who are now actively searching for a, a job that weren't in July, that's a, that's a good sign. So even though it makes the unemployment rate tick up a bit, it's counterintuitively, it's it's um it's an increase in the unemployment rate for a good reason. So overall, I would say 
the, you know, beyond just one month or two months figures, just to look kind of over the last six to nine months, the U.S. economy uh, in terms of the labor market is very strong. Uh, it's 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 still an economy where there's tons of labor demand. We see job openings or vacancies to fill open positions at or near record highs, over 11 million. And just to give you perspective, that's like over 50 percent above the number of job openings before the COVID pandemic. So there's a huge intent by employers to hire, right? That there's a lot of job openings. Uh, wage growth for workers um, has been pretty strong. Uh, what are the negatives of this economy over the last six to nine months? Well, two things that are worth mentioning. One, the biggest one is inflation, right? So inflation is eroding a lot of these wage gains. And so that makes uh, many workers feel poorer. But then the other factor that we're starting to see is some kind of, I wouldn't call it uh, recessionary uh, declines in growth, but kind of a stalling out in, in growth. So you probably heard that there were two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. And for a lot of people, that's kind of a shorthand definition of a recession. But the fact is, despite these initial readings of GDP being negative in the first half of 2022, other indicators of the economy, namely the labor market, but also consumer spending, uh, business investment are still really strong. So this one measure of uh, GDP was kind of temporarily affected by things that are kind of anomalous, like international trade or inventories. So the big picture here is, yes, inflation is still a huge challenge. That's the, the kind of economic enemy, number one. The GDP story about are we in a recession, we can talk about that. But the story there, I think, is that it's not that we're falling uh, or um, down this economy. It's just that it's kind of stalling out. The exception, however, is just that the labor market remains red hot. It, it's maybe cooling off a little bit from like white hot to red hot, but it's still a very strong labor market. Yeah. And it's like, it's two of these things that I think we all feel right now. It's like seeing the jobs report, knowing the labor market is red hot everyone that we know in talent acquisition or recruiters, they're still working really hard. They're still filling positions. TA is hot right now. And yet we are seeing all these news stories about layoffs too. I mean, inflation for sure, um, layoffs, just what's going on with the economy and everything feels like we've got this storm cloud brewing of should, be, should we be worried that we're hitting a recession now? Um, how do you think like this impacts either employers or or even recruiters or TA teams? Like, should we be operating like we operated last year, which is just go all in, hire as we can, or should we be pulling back and fearful of this inflation and you know some of these other indicators? Are we hitting this? Are we going to have a recession? Yeah, it's it's the number one question that uh, I get asked and I should get asked. And my answer is so far, no, um, we do see some warning signs, some some red flashing lights in terms of you've probably seen that the stock market earlier this year went through kind of sustained decline. It's since recovered a bit. Uh, you see it in the housing market, which was yeah. just too uh, hot. Right. It was kind of seeing house prices and uh, home sales explode through the pandemic. That's cooled off substantially. There's been a huge correction in the housing market. But the underlying core drivers of the economy, consumer spending, still quite strong. Uh, and then, of course, the labor market, still very strong. When we're adding 300 to 500,000 jobs a month, when we have these you know, really record high job openings, that's just not the kind of indicators that point to a recession. Now, 
what's the what's the reason for this fear of a recession? It's legitimate. It's definitely a, a, a legitimate fear. And the reason is, okay, inflation's at a 40-year high, right? We're used to, over the last two or three decades, decades, we're used to inflation, consumer price inflation rising at a rate of like two to three percent per year. Uh, well, gosh, we have not seen that, right? Led by gasoline prices and food prices, inflation has been eight, nine percent or so uh, year over year uh, throughout this recent, say, six month period. So inflation is really high. Uh, the economy got kind of too strong in some sense, right? We're adding too many jobs. We can't find enough workers. That's that's part of the reason, you know, TA folks are so stretched thin is that they can't, yeah. you know, uh, find the, the people to power their organizations. It's such a challenging market from an employer's perspective. Um, so the economy got so hot that the uh, Federal Reserve, our nation's central bank, said, whoa, 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 let's kind of tap the brakes a bit. Let's um, begin to raise short-term interest rates steadily but aggressively. And they've done that since earlier this year. They've been raising interest rates. Why? To kind of cool off the economy, to tap the brakes. And when you raise interest rates, things like credit card um, uh, interest rates or car loans, obviously mortgage rates are a huge factor. They rise in tandem with those short-term interest rate hikes. And that slows consumer spending. It slows business investment. And that's kind of the intention. That's the express purpose of the Fed's goal here is to kind of cool things off. Now, when we circle back and we, we we talk about specifically recruiters, how do they feel about this in terms of if you're in the TA space, if you if you work at HR, how do you feel about like the outlook for the economy right now? Well, the goal of the Fed by raising rates and slowing the economy is to cool off inflation and specifically in the labor market to bring down the number of these unfilled job openings. Now, the interesting thing is the Fed's goal, if they can accomplish this, is to bring down labor demand. In other words, to like have companies who have open positions say, wait a second, let's take those off the, the market. Let's not fill those positions. Let's just be a little more cautious right now, see how our sales develop over the next few quarters. That's the Fed's goal is to bring down job openings. The Fed doesn't want layoffs to increase, right? It doesn't, it wants to basically cool off inflation by slowing the economy without triggering without triggering a rise in the unemployment rate, without triggering a recession. Now, can it do this? Can it pull off this kind of Goldilocks maneuver of like, the economy's too hot, let's cool it off without like making it ice cold. That's to be seen, whether the Fed can pull this off to kind of manage the economy. But it, from a recruiter's perspective, from a TA, HR leader's perspective, Pay attention to those job openings, to those open vacancies. Yes, you hear about layoffs. What I've noticed is there's lots of attention paid this year to layoffs, but they're overwhelmingly concentrated in a few kind of growth tech startup yep. all, all companies. Um, the broader kind of labor market isn't seeing a ton of layoffs. There's always some natural, even in the, the strongest labor markets, there's some natural churn, right? There's layoffs, there's adding jobs, but we've been adding 300 to 500,000 jobs a month this year, and the unemployment rate's below 4%. So there's not a ton of layoffs. Has there been an uptick? There's been a very slight uptick. You see this with, for example, uh, unemployment insurance claims. So when people get laid off and they and they want to go get unemployment benefits, we have seen an uptick in those, those claims for unemployment benefits since the spring. So there's some truth to this, like, you know, buzzy stories about yeah. layoffs at, at tech companies. But has it infected the broader uh, economy? No, not yet. And if you're a recruiter, if you're if you work in TA, the goal of the Fed by kind of encouraging this slowdown is to lower the number of unfilled vacancies without increasing layoffs. And 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 we'll see if that's going to be the case. It's so interesting. I mean, the layoff 
piece of this is so interesting to me. And it makes sense because if they can lower um, those open vacancies without triggering all these layoffs, that's that's the goal. And yet when you read any news article right now, you would think that they failed because layoffs are everywhere. I mean, part of me, I'm a little cynical about some of the layoff stories that have been covered because I think part of this is part of tech. Like for high growth companies and tech companies, layoffs are part of the situation. They've taken tons of investment. They're growing at a pace that they can't keep up with. And that sometimes means a little bit of disorganization. And we don't know what to do with talent. We don't know what to do with our products. We don't know what to do with our company. So part of me feels like this is pretty natural in, in tech. Um, and then I think the other piece of it, this is this has nothing to do with uh, anything that you probably study, but it's, I think, the LinkedIn factor right now where people go to LinkedIn and share their stories has really been interesting, too, because it, you know, it gives another channel to this layoff story. So it feels like if you're just somebody that's not following any of this, it feels like everyone's getting laid off at every company and you're next and mm. it's terrifying. But how much of it is really different than what we've seen in the past with tech? I mean, to me, this feels like it's probably always been part of technology and this industry. Yeah, just, just like uh, the last few recessions from um, before COVID, right? The global financial crisis recession, the great recession from like 2007 to 2009. And then before that, of course, even more apropos, the, uh, the bursting of the tech bubble in the early 2000s. In both of those cases, yeah, you saw an increase in the unemployment rate, especially so in the Great Recession, a huge right. uh, uptick. And there were layoffs in tech in both cases. Why? Because tech's kind of pro-cyclical, meaning that kind of its highs are higher and its lows are lower. And in yeah. um, this most recent round of tech layoffs that kind of you know flash and scare people on LinkedIn, I think there's definitely something to that, uh, what you're saying. They're driven by these recent layoffs are driven by you know the drying up, frankly, of venture capital funding. And venture capital funding has has enabled some of these big growth tech startups to expand, especially during the pandemic when there was kind of a moment where people thought there's a, a, a kind of permanent structural change in the economy that everyone's going to permanently you know just shop through e-commerce, not in brick and mortar retail stores. They're only going to kind of use Zoom and Spotify and uh, other kind of uh, technologies. They're not going to kind of venture back yeah. out. Well, as that shifted, and frankly, as consumer spending shifted away from just you know buying things, uh, goods, and uh, and buying more services, going out as travel increased, as restaurant uh, spending increased, that kind of recalibration of sales from those growth tech companies, they realized they kind of over levered themselves. They brought on too much debt. They overhired, and so they're re kind of recalibrating. They're they're reaching a new equilibrium now. As the venture capital funding dries up, well, first of all, what's drive? What's the reason behind that? Well, it's 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 higher interest rates, right? So it's very easy to you know hire thousands of people when you were effectively borrowing money. You were raising funds from venture yep. capitalists with uh, near rock bottom, near zero interest rates. Now, as interest rates rise, those those venture capital funds kind of start to question their investments. They start to kind of tighten their belt. And that, I think, has driven a lot of the layoffs in the tech sector this spring and uh, summer. But to zoom out beyond tech, to, to look at things like manufacturing, for example, the number of manufacturing job openings is more than double where it was yeah. before the COVID recession in early 2020. We have more than double, think about that, more than double the amount of open positions in manufacturing 
in professional and business services, which is like a big kind of super sector that's kind of like all kind of white collar positions. So like marketing and legal and sales, that is also up 50, 60 percent um, uh, on down the line, warehousing, even brick and mortar retail. There's just a broad based demand to hire. And so I think for workers who do get laid off and again, it's particularly focused in the tech sector for those who do get laid off. They're often finding it. It's pretty easy to find a job. <laughs> and I've right. heard stories uh, by by folks who say, oh, yeah, I'm kind of glad I, I got laid off so I can work at a vacation here for a few weeks before I took another job. And often, and we see this in the data, too, that these job switchers are getting yeah. higher wage growth. Uh, that's time. actually driven a lot of the so-called great resignation. It's just people quitting for a better offer. And now if they get laid off just with all the job openings out there. Uh, I want to just reassure folks that it's still a good time to look for a job as a worker, as a job seeker. Um, but to work in TA, to work in HR right now, it is a shifting macroeconomic environment. It's not just purely roses, right? There's still inflation. There's still headwinds to the outlook over the next few quarters. Yeah, it's such an important point. Um, one thing that I'm just so curious about the the VC piece, because we've seen just in our industry, right, so much VC money coming in. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for the companies that are getting like $100 million of investment. There, It doesn't seem like there, there used to be a rhyme or reason to why this was happening. And it doesn't seem like that's the case right now at all. Do you see that shifting? Will it have to shift just in general? And will it shift in, in our HR tech world? I would imagine some some big shifts are going to happen over the next few years for, for two main reasons. And we've touched on both of them, right? So one is the higher interest rates that makes venture capital uh, fundraising more challenging, right? It means that uh, while you could probably still raise money if you have a good business idea as a startup, it's not going to be as prolific where anybody can get a big sack of cash <laughs> to go yeah. hire a thousand folks and start a company. That's going to not be as prevalent as it was in 2021, early 2022. So that's the first factor, the higher interest rates. But the other factor is frankly, a, a big macro force that drives a lot of the TA, HR, uh, recruiting world is like labor demand, right? And so when you look at like this fundamental imbalance where there's almost two job openings for every one unemployed person, right? When there's this desperate um, uh, problem to be solved by employers, which is, hey, you in recruiting, you in HR, go out and find us workers. When that is the kind of macro force driving the industry, then yeah, you're going to get funding there. You're going to get new innovative ideas. And that's the kind of uh, uh, healthy innovation you want to see. Um, but like I said, the labor market is cooling off. It's still very strong, but it's cooling off from those high highs of 2021. And so going forward over the next year or two, I'm not predicting like a collapse in uh, the the job market, but, a, but the analogy I use, think of it like a soccer ball. It's being depressurized. It was kind of overinflated and the soccer ball was too tight. And the Fed with higher interest rates and just the, the natural course of the economy we're trying to deflate it. We're trying to we're trying to depressurize it without a collapse in the in the yeah. job market. So that force, that force of less labor demand going forward, uh, will also I think naturally kind of cool off the TA HR hecticness. There's been a frenetic pace as you battle and document so so well. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I love that analogy of the soccer ball because I think it's comforting too. It doesn't feel like we're just going to all of a sudden deflate this. And it gives some relief to, I think, TA teams right now that can't keep up with the hiring demands that they're getting or the great resignation or the quiet quitting or whatever it may be. This kind of 
takes that pressure and makes it more manageable. So red hot labor market, still a great time to look for a job, still a great time to be an HR or TA. Mm -hmm. And hopefully with all of this work that the Fed's doing, we're going to see some relief on what TA teams have been going through for the past two years. I mean, this is all really, really positive. And yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this is, I feel so much smarter after this conversation, Andrew, I have to tell you, I feel like I can go to a dinner party now and know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so thank you for that. But it feels, it feels positive. You know, I, I feel like this is all very good news. I think so too. I think, you know, it's almost like I'm going back to that Goldilocks analogy, like a cooling off in the economy is frankly good for recruiters, right? Yeah. If there's a slight uptick in unemployment and a, and a, and a drop in job openings, then that ratio of just two to one uh, job openings to unemployed people is going to decline. And you wanted to get back to that kind of one to one ratio where recruiting is more manageable, where there's just an equal amount of both open candidates for open positions. And that would make a lot of TA leaders, a lot of HR leaders lives easier going forward. Now, it's the Goldilocks metaphor because you don't want to overcorrect like in 2009 through 2008. 13, where as we recovered from that great recession, there was just double, triple, quadruple the number of unemployed people for for uh, open vacancies. That frankly made either recruiting super easy because there you just had an avalanche of candidates for every open position, or it put recruiters out of a job because if if, if companies weren't hiring, if there weren't that many open positions, then 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 that that's no good for TA and recruiting either. Right, right, very well said. So. As we kind of wrap up here, I just have one last question. Any predictions for the September jobs report? I know it's early. Um, do you think we're still going to have over 300,000 jobs added, or are we going to kind of see that back in the normal range? I think we're going to start to see a, a slowdown, like that 150,000 range I mentioned earlier. We're not going to drop that fast, but I, I I think we're on a glide path downward to a more reasonable uh, job growth. A trajectory of like 250,000 or so a month. Um, the half a million jobs a month, that's just not sustainable, right? Because of right. A, a number of reasons. It would just kind of overheat the economy. And um, they're just, frankly, the labor supplies, is, especially with immigration restrictions over the last few years, is just not there to enable us to grow. Um, and and that's a that's a kind of broader trend too. It's just demographics uh, with aging of the baby boomer pop population. There is going to be in the long run or medium run, uh, real labor shortages in certain industries. So I think in the near term, though, and for September going forward, I think uh, the prediction would be a, a continual kind of step down, but at a healthy rate of job growth. So adding employment of the 250,000 or so a month. And the key thing to watch uh, is the wage growth, right? We, we want yeah. workers to have good wage growth, um, but the Fed is concerned of a of a wage price spiral. It's, it's concerned that as wages uh get ever higher, the, the companies that bear those costs, uh, their labor burden is passed on to consumers in the form of higher prices. And then when consumers have higher prices, they kind of factor that into their wage bargaining and ask for higher pay and so on and so forth it becomes a doom loop. And so that's the thing that the Fed has so far avoided. The last three to five months worth of data has been very comforting in that I think we may have reached Knock on wood, Madeline, we may have reached peak inflation this past summer. We've seen gas prices decline pretty steadily since yeah. June. We've seen kind of the core inflation and in, in goods, things like autos, things like furniture that were really 
uh, gummed up and these global supply chain issues over the last 18 months, those have started to work themselves through the global supply chain. We've had uh, less of a uh, restriction uh, from COVID, uh, thankfully, on the economy. So all these things are good news for inflation, lower commodity prices, lower energy prices, better supply chains. And so as inflation comes down and as the wage growth kind of moderates and we, and we avoid, knock on wood, this wage price spiral, that's the thing to watch going forward in September. I, I would expect wage growth to still be strong, that four and a half, five percent range. We're still going to add jobs. Um, and then the big thing is just uh, where are those workers? Are those job seekers going right. to continue to return? Um, and uh, uh, I'll be watching those labor force participation rates to make sure that recruiters have a pool of candidates uh, to draw from. So that's that's uh, the business of uh, of Avcast and, and what we're trying to help uh, companies do. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, 2023 is looking pretty good. I think if, if everything's in place here. So thank you so much, Andrew. This is so awesome. I mean, I've, I've learned so much already. I feel, you know, more informed and more positive about, about the future. But can you share a little bit? I know we talked a little bit about AppCast. Can you share a little bit about yeah. um, what AppCast is for anyone that might not be familiar and then how they can find you and get in touch with you? You do these amazing videos when the jobs report comes out and they're available for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. So just AppCast, for those who don't know, uh, we're the uh, global leader in programmatic job advertising technology. And so what does that mean? It means we make job ads work better with data. And so if you are an employer who is hiring hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of employees every year, and you're trying to find those employees where most people are nowadays, which is on the internet, uh, you have a lot of options. You can look at Indeed and CareerBuilder and LinkedIn and Facebook and so forth. Well, programmatic in that sense means that we distribute your job ads in an efficient and wide way across the internet. So that's what AppCast for business is. And what I do at AppCast as the labor economist is I direct the uh, research on this website, recruitonomics.com. So for all of you listeners, if you want to check out our research, it's free and open access, recruitonomics.com. You can go there and find tailored reports uh, on the labor market for your industry. So whether it's retail or finance or manufacturing or warehousing, if you want to know what are the insights in terms of wage growth or employment trends, check out recruitonomics.com. And in terms of the videos, yeah, every jobs Friday, which is usually the first Friday of every month, I will go on LinkedIn. Um, and do a quick 20, 30 minute chat and engage uh, people in the comments with questions about what are the um, recent numbers mean for me as a TA leader, as a as a recruiting uh, leader. Uh, so please follow me on LinkedIn uh, or as you mentioned on Twitter at Andrew Flowers and, and check out recruitonomics.com. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you everyone for joining us and I hope you have a great rest of your day.